Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the NFL on 24-7 Sports Podcast. My name is Brian Diardo. My co-host and friend Josh Edwards will be joining us uh, in just a moment. Uh, and we'll, we, all, we'll, we will also open up the guest line. You can join us at 323-647-1567. Again, 323-642-1567. I'm not sure if we'll get any calls because this is our first show, but I digress. Uh, we will definitely, I would imagine, get more uh, in the uh, future shows that we do. Uh, and as I said, Josh Edwards will be joining me uh, in just a moment. And uh, this show will probably go anywhere between 30 and 45 minutes. We're going to be doing a, a variety uh, of topics here in the NFL. We're going to discuss, um, obviously, the NFC uh, championship game, the AFC championship game. Uh, also, some other things. Specifically, I cover the Pittsburgh Steelers. Josh covers the Cleveland Browns. And, uh, you know, we're definitely going to talk about some things going on there, not only because we cover the teams, but because we uh, there's a lot going on with both teams, obviously. Uh, Josh um, is very experienced in terms of the draft. He's kind of our unofficial uh, draft kind of guru at 24-7, so we'll definitely dig into that, uh, especially when we get closer to the combine. Uh, but Josh is here. Uh, and so he can join us now. And uh, what's going on, Josh? How's your uh, how's your off season going? Uh, it's not been too bad so far. I mean, Browns just hired their new head coach last week, or at least um, officially announced it. So, kind of working out the kinks with the new coaching staff, trying to get everything in place here before the NFL Combine, the Senior Bowl later this month. Um, you know, so lots of working, lots of moving pieces early in the off season, but uh, it's, it's, you know, been pretty standard to have no football for the Browns in January. So status quo, I guess, as far as that's concerned. Man, I'll tell you what, it, it's been different. It's been a different animal uh, covering the Steelers. You know, it, 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 you're used to like not having to delve into like draft talk and assessing the season usually until about now. I mean, um, and I've already had to do some of that stuff and, I know Brown. I know Steelers fans were pulling for the Browns Week 17. I know the Steelers players were. They unfortunately weren't able to do it. Um, you know, and uh, you know, so the Browns would have won. In the, you know, the Steelers would have made the playoffs. But uh, you know, the Browns finished 7-8-1, not actually very far away from the Steelers. Uh, and I think that the Browns, and we'll definitely talk about more. You know, them more um, as this podcast and, and future shows continue. And I, and I think Josh, what I was saying before you got on the line, I think one thing that we want to do with this podcast is tackle a variety of topics, and I think really educate NFL fans as much as possible, not only on Pittsburgh and Cleveland, but the rest of the league, and also try to do it in a fun manner. Absolutely. I mean, the NFL is the most viewed sport in the United States. So obviously there's a large following. Um, A lot of people are very passionate about it, whether they, you know, cover it for a living, whether they just follow the team on a daily basis. Um, And it's just become a very interesting kind of microcosm in itself because you've got so much going on with free agency, the draft. Um, We saw eight head coaching changes this off season. That was incredible. Um, you're starting to see these coaching staff shake out. So there's always something going on in the NFL. And, uh, you know, there's no shortage of things to ever talk about as it relates to that. And I just tweeted it out the link. So if you want to follow us live right now at Brian Diardo, 
just sent out that link at Brian Diardo, one word. And uh, again, if you do want to call the show, and, and we'll do better cross promotion or or any period moving forward. But if you do, if you are listening randomly when this is going on, feel free to call us at three two three six four two fifteen six fifteen sixty seven. And to be more specific, um. This podcast is happening a little bit after 3 o'clock on Wednesday. So if you're listening on Thursday or Friday, uh, chances are we won't answer if you call. But let's let's dig right into the, the A-B stuff. And uh, Art Rooney the second did speak to the local Pittsburgh media today. Uh, he said that um, the team has not engaged in any uh, conversations with regard to trading Antonio Brown just yet. Uh, he did not say, uh, based on reports, whether or not they, they will moving forward, but based on what he said last week, there's no reason to assume that they're not going to try to trade Brown uh, when the NFL Combine starts um, on the 25th. I mean, that's typically when, you know, everybody who's anybody uh, in terms of the teams in the NFL, they're all out there. They're all talking. Uh, Kevin Colbert, the Steelers GM, I'm sure will be very busy not only trying to scout potential draft picks for the Steelers and prospects, but he'll also be working trying to trade Antonio Brown and you know Jerry Rice has come out and said that you know Antonio wants to play for the 49ers they do own the the number two pick in the draft I believe either the two or the one I think that's the two the Cardinals have the one and uh there's been talks that the Steelers can maybe trade Brown to Arizona uh but in general you know it does seem like Antonio is going to leave and that's that's the one thing that uh, already the second did say today that was new news was that you know, based on Antonio's social media actions, it doesn't seem like he will be back with the team. You know, it's like last week Rooney told the Gazette that um, Brown would pretty much have to, to, first of all, answer the phone when they call and, B, kind of try to come back. He he has to take the first step here in reconciling this. I mean, Rooney kind of came out and said, hey, you know, if he wants to come back, we're not ruling it out, even though it looks unlikely. Well, a week later, he's saying that, based on how he still hasn't had contact with Brown, based on uh, Brown uh, continuing to distance himself from the Steelers on social media, it doesn't look like he'll be back. Uh, Josh, I got I to gotta say, and I want your, your, your kind of take on this, it's amazing that now in 2019, a player's social media action is an NFL team's only way to see, to communicate with a player. It's, it's amazing that, you know, Steeler fans and regular NFL fans and regular people are, are are there just as much in the know with what Brown wants to do than the team that's paying him millions of dollars. I mean, can you can you even describe how absurd this situation has gotten to where the Steelers are taking their P's and Q's from Brown's social media actions just like fans are? It, to me... It's unprecedented, and I've never seen anything like it. Well, I just, you know, kind of to go back from the beginning, I don't understand how, you know, first of all, when you sign a contract, you're legally obligated to fulfill it. So the the idea that teams are even willing to discuss renegotiating or anything of that nature is, um, you know, is, is a benefit for players that are trying to get the most out of their value. I get that. Brown has already got this huge lucrative deal. So I don't understand what his issue is whatsoever. How do you not show up for a practice leading up to your week 17 game 
with a potential playoff berth on the line. I mean, you're you're leaving your teammates out to dry. I don't know what has happened in that locker room, but as a competitive person myself, um, you know, although I don't do it, do, you know, this professional, I don't do athletics professionally um, from a playing perspective, but I couldn't even imagine not showing up for week 17. That's just incredible to me. Um, so how are you supposed to get the trust in that room? But as, as it relates to social media, it's just incredible, man. Like social media, I generally don't encourage anyway, because it's just like this cesspool of negativity and, and people being able to say stuff that they wouldn't say to you in person, stuff, stuff like that. There's a lot of positive stuff that can come from it if it's utilized properly, but it's just silly. The fact that we have to look into who he follows on Instagram or Twitter and who he, you know, unfollows on Instagram and Twitter. It's just crazy that we are able to look that much into it. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier with the NFL is such a big enterprise right now that, that fans are legitimately interested in stuff like that. When George Kittle interacted the San Francisco 49ers tight end interacted with Brown on Twitter, that was all anybody wanted to talk about for a couple of days. Everybody latched onto the idea Oh, you know, are the Steelers going to trade Antonio Brown to the 49ers? So there's a lot of talking points, a lot of stuff, good stuff that can come from Twitter. Uh, But generally, I think we look too much into it. And the fact that the Steelers are kind of monitoring their star wide receiver through social media is is just kind of ludicrous with as much money as they have invested in him. And as we're doing this podcast, Antonio Brown is live tweeting. He's responded to Emmanuel Sanders' criticism to him on NFL Network, and he's also responded to Bruce Arians, the former Pittsburgh OC during Brown's first two seasons, and now the Buccaneers head coach calling him a diva. This is Antonio Brown, quote, he didn't draft me, drafted Emmanuel Sanders, same guy who missed rehab to go on NFL Network to talk about me on situations he has zero clue. I cleaned up a little bit of that grammar. Aaron's now wears kangaroo hats and glasses, laugh emoji, but I'm a diva. Done seen it all. Then they say we friends. Stop lying. Uh, so, Josh, the circus continues. It doesn't seem like Antonio is helping his cause. I'm not disagreeing with anything he just said in that one tweet. But to me, and that's kind of been the one backlash, Josh, as a Steeler writer that I've been getting, which I mean, I've I've definitely pulled my punches with Antonio. And I guess – the thing that really upsets me is that Antonio, you know, you can say what you want about him. Some of it's true. Some of it's not. The guy loves the circus. He loves the attention. He loves everything with that. And he loves what's going on right now. Like he absolutely loves it. He loves that he is center stage. He loves that despite the AFC NFC championship game going on, which we will discuss soon. Um, you know, he, he's still the center. Like, he's still probably the number one story in the NFL as we speak, and, which is amazing. Like I said, considering that ever, all the other storylines that, that people could be discussing. Um, so, to me, it, it, it's, it's unbelievable that he's let himself get to this point. Um, but the one thing that, that Brown supporters, and there still are a lot of them, believe it or not. I mean, Josh, there's, there's a lot of Steelers fans that still want Brown on this team. Their thing is, let's hear his side of the story. Let's hear his side of the story. Well, first of all, he's not giving his side of the story. He would rather just tweet and, and, and relay cryptid messages on Twitter and Instagram and whatever social media platforms he uses, Snapchat, um, 
But what condones leaving your team on a Wednesday? Like, outside of, like, there was a racial thing that happened or something of that nature, which I don't – I can't imagine happening, what else would condone him leaving the team? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I guess to kind of close our Antonio Brown part of this podcast, I guess my thing is, my, I guess, take would be, um, like you said, Josh, and it's a good point, he's under contract. And I – you know, he should – I mean, I think before the Steelers really entertained trading him, they pretty much need to tell him, dude, you need to come in here now. You need to come in here now, and we need to hash this out. I don't know what date that would be, um, but I think it needs to be immediately. I think the Steelers, before they do anything else in terms of business, they need to get their arguably best player in that facility and make it mandatory. Like, hey, man, like you got to come in here Friday or talk to me on the phone on Friday or you're gone, and let's get this done now. Uh, Rooney being incredibly passive with this is unacceptable in my opinion. You know, you, you've got arguably your best player continuing to call. I mean, at this point, AB's dictating all the shots. He has taken control of this organization. Um, to me, that needs to be put to bed now. And I don't see a scenario where he comes back. I think the Steelers are better off without him. Um, they haven't won any Super Bowls with him. They didn't make the playoffs with him. So, to me, it's not a huge loss getting rid of him um, as long as you get good return back for him. Um, so, John, I don't know if you had anything to add to that, but, but to me, I, I think that the whole thing has gotten incredibly out of hand. And I think the Roonies, um, you know, Art's father, Dan, was great at managing situations with the exception of a few. Um, but he's really let this one with Antonio get out of hand. Yeah, I mean, there's a few different kind of angles that I would even want to attack this. And first of all is, you know, you have to look at Mike Tomlin. I mean, that's the head of your franchise right now. And he's supposed to be leading this program. So what's it say about his leadership that you've not only had Antonio Brown, but now Le'Veon Bell, I mean, sorry, rather Le'Veon Bell and now Antonio Brown, drama within your locker room. And then we see Mike Munchak go to the Denver Broncos um, you know, there's all this other stuff that's going around that franchise right now. So what does it say about Mike Tomlin, and why is no one talking about his future with the organization? I mean, would you feel comfortable with everything that has happened over the past year moving forward with Mike Tomlin as your head coach? Well, I think I think the answer is, um, and I think this is an indisputable um, opinion or, or fact, is that Tomlin's given his leaders – uh, his stars too much leeway. Um, you know, Brown, obviously, and James Harrison, who a lot of people don't like right now in Pittsburgh, made a lot of good points on first take. And I think, I think he has an axe to grind with Tomlin. And I think, if, you know, there's no question the way Harrison's career ended in Pittsburgh. Um, even Art Rooney, the second last year, admitted that um, things did not, there, was mis- there were issues on both sides in terms of how Harrison's tenure in Pittsburgh ended. But, I think Har- you know, I think Harrison made a good point when he said that, you know, Tomlin, you know, his kind of MO is I'll treat everyone fairly, but I'm not going to treat everyone equally. And, you know, Harrison said, you know, some of those – Tomlin will give some guys an inch and they'll take a foot. You give some guys a foot, they'll take a yard. You give some guys a yard, they'll take a mile, so on and so on. And that's happened with, with Brown. That's happened with Bell. Harrison said that's happened with other guys on the team that aren't necessarily stars that have missed walkthroughs and things that haven't gotten reported because they're not stars. 
Um, so obviously, you know, Tomlin, I mean, Tomlin treats the guys like men. I commend him for that. That being said, a lot of guys have taken him for granted. And I think, you know, Didi Kikobwala said it on Peter King's podcast last week that Tomlin inherited a Steeler team that just a few years prior had won a Super Bowl. And they were self-motivated men who didn't need a lot of the strict rules and strict guidelines that maybe a Belichick would govern uh, or would enforce. And I think that that ended up being a big detriment to Tomlin because now he's had teams that aren't mature enough to handle that, that mess. So, um, and that's one of the reasons why the Steelers aren't in the playoffs because of that just discipline. And and I was the last one that really wanted to jump on that train. Uh, But that, that train uh, is one now that's unavoidable. Um, Another team that we probably should talk about in terms of uh, things that may have gotten out of hand was the the tanking that happened in Miami. And and I know Josh, this was kind of a topic that um, you definitely wanted to hit because I mean, they've essentially tried to tank for a top pick, and I know you know more about that than I do, but, but yeah, man, I mean, does the NFL need to step in here when, when teams are intentionally tanking? And, you know, in Miami's case, um, they're, you know, they've definitely tried to, to enhance their situation to address some of their needs uh, definitely moving forward. Yeah, I mean, there's been reports, I think it was Adam Schefter that reported, Miami is possibly looking into trading away some of their remaining assets, guys like wide receiver Devontae Parker. Um, you've got Robert Quinn, Cameron Wake, the pass rushers there. They've talked about trading away some of those guys to, you know, they're going to sell it as get younger, shed some cap space, acquire some draft picks. But really kind of the idea that everybody is latching onto is that they are essentially taking this organization down to – the you know to just the studs basically so that they can tank this upcoming season so they can put a poor performance on the field so that they're in a quality position to take one of the top quarterbacks in the 2020 NFL draft that's guys like Alabama's Tua Tagovailoa that's um, Jake Fromm from Georgia Um, you know you've got a few options there Justin Herbert who returned to Oregon this year so that's an opportunity to to potentially get a franchise quarterback. But the fact that you're kind of wasting an entire season is something that a lot of people have an issue with. And here I am, am very, very strong in my opinion that the Dolphins should be able to do what they want. I understand the perspective that you want to put the best performance on the field for Um, you know, the fans, you know, you don't want the fans to come to the stadium every week knowing that they're going to lose. You want to give them a reason to show up. But this is part of the strategy. This is part of what the NFL is. The NFL is all about competing for a Super Bowl. So the strategy of how you get there should be determined individually by each of these organizations. So if Miami wants to go about it by tanking to secure one of these top quarterbacks, then I think they should be allowed to do that. I mean, every year there are teams that have to lose. The Browns went 1-31 over the course of two seasons. They lost more than anybody. And I don't necessarily think that they were tanking intentionally. Um, But whether they'll say it or not, they were playing for the NFL draft. We've seen that in the past. The Indianapolis Colts, when they moved on from Peyton Manning, they fell into the number one pick to get Andrew Luck. Whether teams are saying it or not, they consider those those possibilities of being able to get these quarterbacks in the draft 
that can potentially change their franchise for the next 10 plus years. And that's what this is ultimately about. So I don't have a problem with Miami tanking because that's part of their strategy. That's, that's, if somebody's going to lose, it might as well be the Dolphins because somebody's got to win. So if that has to happen for a year so that they can turn around their franchise, so be it. The fans are ultimately going to be happy when that franchise does turn around and they have something to support with the likes of one of these potential franchise quarterbacks. So I don't think it's an issue. I know a lot of people think it's an issue. So I'm curious to to kind of hear your take as a little bit more of a traditionalist um, as it relates to the NFL. Yeah, I, I I just well, you're not gonna like my you probably won't like my take. Um <laughs> my opinion on the whole thing with, with the draft is I don't understand why the worst team gets the number one pick. I never understood that. I don't understand why any like I don't I think it needs I, I actually and I used to be totally against it, but I, I would actually adapt the the NBA's um format with the draft. I would. You know, I used to believe that, uh, like, the top team should be rewarded with the top picks because why should we reward franchises that obviously aren't being run the right way? But then it's a higher. But then you're never giving those teams any remote chance of of getting themselves out of a hole because, in the, you're also discouraging, you know, like let's let's just say the Bengals like right now, like what what would at all be enticing for a GM or a coach to enter that organization when? You just you're coming off another bad season. Oh, and now we have the 27th pick in the draft. Like that isn't fair. That being said, I, I think that they need to adapt uh, the lottery situation where the 12 teams that don't make the playoffs, you get a chance to be in the lottery. So it, it really doesn't benefit you to tank, um, unless you know it, it doesn't because you know the Steelers are in that lottery. They were they were trying to make the you know, they were one you know a Browns field goal away from from you know, winning the AFC North, and then they would be in that lottery as well. So I, I think that um, the NFL needs to adopt a lottery system because uh, I think that would be the only way to fully, um, you know, not have the tanking thing happen. And, 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 again, I think baseball should do the same thing because, you know, you saw what the Astros did and then they got rewarded, you know. And that's, I mean, the NFL doesn't have the tanking issue nearly as much as, um, I mean, even the NBA still does because, you know, if you're the if you have the worst record, then you get more lottery balls or, or whatnot, and, and I still think that's flawed still as well. Um, my personal opinion is everybody should get the equal amount of balls or what, however you do it, um, and that's the way it should be done. Uh, because to me, um, if you've paid money to see an NFL game, um, you should expect to see uh, a high quality game or at least a game where there's maximum effort from the players on the field. And, you know, and even, and I know you know this, Josh, because we both covered the games, you know, the Browns and Steelers games in 16-17 meant nothing to either team. The Browns weren't in it. The Steelers couldn't advance in the standings. But you still saw, uh, you know, quality effort by the guys that were out there. The Steelers just benched as many starters as they could. So then you had guys on the field that were excited to be playing in, you know, significant minutes for the first time. Uh, and you also had people that were essentially then got a chance to, to show off uh, what they could do to, you know, to the other 31 teams in the league, including the team they were playing against. Um, and those were very good games. Uh, they were, you know, the, 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 uh, the 16 game, I think, was won in overtime by the Steelers, and the 17 game came down to the last drive. Um, so, and that's what fans, regardless of where your team is in the playoff hunt, that's what you should be getting 
uh, every single Sunday. And that's why I hope the Dolphins aren't rewarded with a good uh, pick. Um, I, mean, I don't want the guy to fail <laughs> when he goes there. But yeah, man, that, that's my thoughts. I don't know what you think about a, a lottery situation, but I think that's the only way well, to fix I, this, to be honest with you. You know, I think even, like you said, in the NBA, you still see tanking even with a lottery system because there's all this talk that, you know, the Cavaliers are tanking for the possibility to select Zion Williamson. And, you know, there was talk about the Nets tanking. And, you know, all this – there's talk about tanking every single year, it feels like, because – you need to get those players that are going to help you turn around and be able to compete with some of these other teams. I mean, Dolphins fans are going to see some really good players next year at home. I mean, the Patriots come to town, so you're going to see a lot of good players on the Patriots. With that being said, I think you have to keep the draft the way it is because imagine if the Patriots had the number one pick or whoever ends up winning the Super Bowl, you have the Eagles a year ago. Imagine the Eagles or the Patriots with the number one pick if they had taken Miles Garrett or um, Baker Mayfield the last couple of years, if they had Baker Mayfield as the the heir apparent to Tom Brady, they're not going to lose a beat whenever he decides to retire. I mean, that's – it's just it, – it would make it unbearable for the rest of the NFL because you're going to see these perennial teams, these perennial contenders, continue to be perennial contenders. There's not going to be any cycling um, – of the guards. I mean, it's going to be the Patriots, the same elite teams every single year if you were to do the draft that way. So the fact that you have it in reverse order gives some of these teams a chance to compete by adding these elite players. Because otherwise you're just, you're just, the parity is, is just going to be insanely tough to kind of go through. It would be more like MLB where you're expecting the same teams to have the, the lucrative salary caps every single year to be competing for championships. It's just, I don't think you could possibly do with, I don't think you could possibly do it in reverse order. I don't don't think um, that would be beneficial for the future of the league at all. No, I I totally agree with you. However, I think it's, you know, and, and, you know, there's no way around the teams that make the playoffs don't get the better picks. And I also think it's amazing because no team in league history has done more with less draft pick, with less quality picks than the Patriots and the Spurs when you go back into the NBA. I mean, and I would even I would put the Steelers in there because you're not getting um, the top picks every single year. And I think that the best, uh, you know, pick the Steelers have gotten lately has been T.J. Watt. I mean, he was the 30th, um, and I'm obviously you're like I said, you're our draft guru. But like the only reason why the Steelers got Watt at that point is because he didn't have a, a huge uh, uh, string of success in, in Wisconsin. And he had, he, he, I think he went there as an offensive player. He didn't go there as a linebacker. And then he had the injury, which pretty much wiped out his second year. And then his third year went off, got 11 and a half sacks. So there wasn't a huge body of work uh, in terms of his college production. That's the only reason why Watt was there at 30. So, you know, for the Steelers, for the Patriots, it, it, it's been, you know, hey – you know, what guy probably was would have been a top 10, but he had the injury or he changed positions or he just didn't get the opportunity. Um, so you're taking more of a risk uh, there. Um, but, I mean, the Steelers now draft 20, which still isn't incredibly high, but it's, it's a lot better than picking, you know, 30th. Um, so there were two topics I think Josh and I wanted to talk about. 
we signed off, and thanks again, guys, for, for joining this inaugural podcast. We've done a few of these in the past, but, but this is, I think, the off season and the season that we're going to make a point to do these more often. And uh, I think one thing, uh, before we get to our AFC-NFC championship game predictions, um, I think we did want to talk briefly about the, the, the amount of coaching changes that it seemed like it seems like every single off season, a quarter of the league is getting a new coach, and I don't think that's necessarily a good thing for our league. Um, you know, and, and a lot of one and dones. You saw it in Arizona. Um, you know, you know Cleveland. Obviously, again, I think that one had to be done, uh, and I think you would agree with Hugh Jackson. Uh, it had to be done, and I think Freddie Kitchens is, it was a good hire. Um, even though Greg Williams, I think everybody would, would agree, did a really good job with that team. But I think that team was already good, and, and they should have been a play. I mean, the, the Browns were the best team in the division this year once they got things going. Uh, I don't think there's a question there. Um, but, you know, to me, I, I think it's – I think the league is setting a really bad precedent, and it's only gotten worse. Um, and, it, again, they're not the only sport that goes through managers uh, like laundry, but – um, and, and I also think, too, the biggest thing that bothers me is it just seems like the Rooney rule has just been totally disregarded. Um, it just, you know, there wasn't any minority hires this off season. Um, I don't think there's going to be any. It just seems like now everybody wants the 30-something, you know, head coach. That I mean, everybody wants Sean McVay. I mean, that's the new sexy thing. Uh, the Broncos <clears throat> went away from it and got a 60-year-old defensive lifer coach, which – you know, hey, good for John Elway. He's already done that with John Fox, and it worked with the Super Bowl appearance. Uh, then he went with Kubiak when they won it. But um, to me, Josh, it, it, it sets a really bad precedent. And I know Steelers fans don't sometimes love the Steelers' loyalty to their head coaches, but I would rather have that uh, than cheer for an organization that is going to change coaches after one year. Um, I really don't like the trend uh, where the NFL is going in terms of um, just – I just feel like to me – Teams want to make their fan bases happy more than ever. And if you can't do it by winning, then do it by doing the things that they want you to do in the offseason. And I feel like there's just too many franchises that are trying to win a popularity contest and, and, and when they can't win games. And, and to me, that's not right. Yeah, I mean, I will – first of all, the, there is there was one minority hire or is expected to be with the Dolphins um, hiring the Patriots defensive coordinator, Brian Flores. But otherwise, I agree. I mean, it, there's a complete disregard for the, the Rooney rule. Um, and we saw it dating back to last year. I mean, John Gruden, everybody kind of knew that the Raiders were not going to fire Jack Del Rio unless they got uh, an agreement from John Gruden. So maybe they bring in another African-American coach to interview just so they meet that rule. But they had no intention of giving that candidate a chance. You know, so it's a complete disregard of the rule. It's not how it was meant to be executed whatsoever, um, and that should have been addressed. It wasn't as, as addressed as it should have been, um, but that's what happens every single year. There's there's always these examples of that occurring. So, And the Raiders did it again this year. I mean, you look at their general manager that they hired, Mike Mayock. They had some other interviews, I believe, that took place, but it was always going to be Mike Mayock. I mean, because of his relationship with John Gruden. So you didn't meet the Rooney rule whatsoever, and now a team has done it two years in a row. So it's just a slap in the face for the NFL. They need to address it. As far as it relates yeah, to the head coaching yeah. search, I mean, 
they fired had you know they fired Hugh Jackson a year too late in my opinion. He should have been gone after the one in or you know he should have been gone after the 0 and 16 season, which was on the heels of a 1 and 15 season. The fact that he got a third season or part of a third season, you know, should should be some credit. I don't even know if you can say credit to the Browns ownership for kind of being loyal and giving a guy a chance to to see out a plan, but. I think the one that bugs me the most is the Arizona Cardinals firing Steve Wilkes after after one season. I think it was the seventh time in league history that a that a team has fired a coach after one season. Um, the Browns had done it with Rob Chesinski in the past, uh, but it's just not a good practice. It's not good when you're trying to hire your next head coach because – candidates see that they see that you're not showing loyalty that you're not giving a guy a fair shake to do the deal that he was brought in to do and that's ultimately going to affect the type of candidate that you're able to attract in the future so I think it was incredibly wrong what Arizona did with him I don't know all of the facts but you can't bring in a guy with the roster that they had after Carson Palmer retired you've got an aged wide receiver in Larry Fitzgerald several other holes on that roster on a team that everybody knew was going to be pretty bad this year and expect him to do well. Yeah, they finished three and 13. It wasn't a great season, but don't bring in a guy with a terrible roster, expect him to turn it around and be surprised when he gives you a three and 13 record. I mean, he was set up to fail from day one, but in the past we've seen, we've seen these general managers, um, you know, firehead coaches because, it wasn't their guy. You know, a new GM will come in, a new owner will come in, and he'll say, maybe this guy's only been here one year, but I want to bring my guy in. And I think that's been the case with um, the six other examples of this happening in league history. This was different. Steve Kime brought Steve, Steve Wilkes in. Steve Kime was the one that fired him. So if you hired that guy knowing that you were not going to give him a fair shake, it was an incredible disservice to uh, to Steve Wilkes and the fan base, really. They deserve much more than that. They deserve a guy to get a fair shake because now your franchise has been set back for at least one year and the fans have to endure that. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. I agree. And I think that um, the one I was probably – I disliked the most was the Denver one because it, it bothers me because – I feel like John Elway gets a pass because Denver won Super Bowl 50. But, you know, he, he fired John Fox after he got the Broncos to a Super Bowl. Um, and then a couple of playoff seasons after that, um, he fired him. Um, and then, you know, he, he promoted Gary Kubiak, his friend. They won a Super Bowl, and then Kubiak resigned. And now he's back in coaching. I mean, to me, if I'm reading the law, you know, it seems like John Elway is a very hard guy uh, to have as your boss. And this hire better work out because if it doesn't, now John Elway has forced, you know, he's had, what, four coaches at least under his watch. And to me, that's, that's unacceptable in his short time in Denver. And, again, I mean, his biggest coup was getting Peyton Manning. I mean, that was his biggest coup. But he got that because he's John Elway, not because he's, like, he's John Elway, the Hall of Fame quarterback, not John Elway, the Hall of Fame front office guy. I mean, I think even Manning would tell you that his respect for Elway as a player and his admiration for Elway as a player played a huge role in him going to Denver, not to mention that they had had success with John Fox 
you know, they were what everybody thought was a quarterback away, which ended up ended up being the case. Um, and I don't think Vance Joseph got a clean shot at all. Um, and, you know, really it's on Elway for not drafting a good quarterback. I mean, and, you know, they've handled the post-Manning era horrifically in terms of getting the quarterback position in, in a better position. Emmanuel Sanders can't be your best receiver anymore. He's well north of 30. Um, they let their other offensive skill position players get old. It seems like they have a great franchise running back now. And they lost a lot of defensive pieces after Super Bowl 50 that they never replenished. So to me, um, you know, it, it, John always the one thing, the one that bothers me the most. And uh, because of Antonio's tweet, and because the NFL never ends in terms of news, and I'm sure Josh probably has a couple other <laughs> articles on his plate uh, that he needs to get to promptly. Uh, let's get right into our uh, AFC NFC championship game prediction. And uh, you know, mine. You know, we're talking Kansas City. And New England, you know, everybody always, you know, it's hard. It's almost like the Bulls, and it's like Golden State now. You, you, you pull, you, you never bet against them. But I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Chiefs, even though I'm probably stupid in doing that. I, I think the Chiefs are. I'm going with both home teams. I'll just, I'll lay that out there. I think both, and I think that would be fitting. I, I want every year. I want the top two teams, the teams that were the best in their conferences during the season. Unless one team just has this mark, like tremendous, you know, run that everybody can kind of rally behind. Like I'll, you know, uh, I'm sure there's a there's been a more up to date example than this, but I'll go Arizona in 08. Um, you know, unless there's a really cool Cinderella story like that, I tend to like having the best two teams in the Super Bowl. And I believe that the I believe the Chiefs, even though they lost to New England, I think the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC, and I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC, and they and they beat the Rams earlier in the year. Um, I think the Saints will win. I think they have a better quarterback. Um, I think the Rams have a better defense, so I think that that, that, that kind of evens things out. But I just think the Saints are going to win, and I think that um, the Chiefs are going to win. And then you start the narrative, are the Patriots done? And then you start the other narrative, can Andy Reid win his first ring? And then you've got, obviously, the Breeze versus Mahomes uh, narrative, and, and I think that'll that would be, I think, the Super Bowl that everybody should want, in my opinion. Um, the Drew Brees being 40 years old, possibly his last chance to win another ring, and then you've got Andy Reid in search of his first ring. And I think though, if if Reid gets um, the Chiefs into this Super Bowl, I think he's that punches his Hall of Fame ticket, in my opinion, because I don't even think he needs to win it. I think not get blown out, but win it. I think he would be one of just a, maybe one of two or just a couple head coach. I don't know actually. If a head coach, I'm sure there has been, I'm just not thinking, um, a head coach has taken two different franchises to a Super Bowl. I think it's Dick Vermeil, and that's it. Uh, so to me, uh, that would punch his Hall of Fame ticket, even if they don't win. So again, for the record, uh, and you know, we'll see who was right uh, next week. But I've got I've got both home teams advancing, so I'm not really taking much of a, a risk, even though I am picking New England to lose. But what what say you, Josh, on the, this, this weekend's prediction? Well, I'll say it's it's interesting this week because both of these games feature two teams that had previously met during the regular season. So the Rams and the Saints played earlier this year. The Saints um, were able to win that one 45 to 35. And the Patriots and the Chiefs played earlier this year, and New England was able to win that one 43 to 40. So how does that affect this week's games? The Saints are a three-and-a-half-point favorite 
playing at home this week as the number one seed. I think Drew Brees and the Saints lose at home to the Rams. I think Los Angeles looked really good last week with C.J. Anderson as well as um, Todd Gurley back. I think that I, I, that offense is just so dynamic. So um, I'm going to take the Rams on the road to win that game. And then you look at the AFC, you've got the Pats and the Chiefs. That's a three-point spread right now. The, the Chiefs are three-point favorites, which, is, which essentially means that they are getting a three-point advantage because they are the home team. Otherwise, Las Vegas thinks that these two teams are dead even. And I think that's what you look at when you look at these two teams. They're, they're both so well put together. They've got a couple of great quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, a couple of the best in the NFL this year. Brady obviously been doing it for a long time, is very accustomed to playing in these games. I think that Kansas City is able to do enough to get the job done. Andy Reid gets sent to the Super Bowl. You're looking at a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl for, um, you know, the right between Sean McVay, a guy that many people thought he had to prove himself. He didn't have a playoff victory until this year, and yet everybody's hiring coaches from underneath of him. And, and a lot of people felt that he needed to prove himself in the playoffs. I wasn't one of those people. If you see a good coach, you know him when you see him. McVay is a great coach. The same is true of the same is true of, of Andy Reid. He's a great coach. He's done it with a couple of different organizations now. I think it's going to be a very entertaining Super Bowl between the Rams and the Chiefs. I'm going to let my Steeler right now because this is uh, our podcast, so who cares? I just I'm good with whoever comes out of the NFC. I don't want to see New England back in another Super Bowl. And it's it's honestly beyond the Steeler bias. It's also just the I mean we've been there, done that, right? I mean I don't know. I mean obviously things were different then, but like. If you were an NBA fan in the 60s, didn't you get tired of seeing the Celtics always there? And even if you're an NBA fan, even today, aren't you just tired of seeing Golden State? And maybe not. Maybe, you know, NBA. And we're going to do this in a latter uh, podcast, Dynasty Talk and the parody in the NFL. That just kind of a tease for future, future shows. But to me, let's get some new blood in there. And I know the Saints have been to a Super Bowl, but that was, geez, almost 10 years ago. And, you know, so my opinion um, – I, I, would, I don't – again, I don't care who comes out of the NFC, but to me, uh, I just, another Patriots Super Bowl I just don't think is good for the NFL. It just really isn't. And um, I think the, the Chiefs can win if they don't play scared. I think you see New England, it's a night game, all those things. Um, I, I thought – you saw that in San Diego. You saw, or I'm sorry, Los Angeles. You saw the Chargers not pull down catches. They were pulling down. Uh, all season, and I, I think the nerves got to him, and uh, even Big Ben a couple years ago in the AFC Championship game, he admitted that he thought some of his teammates weren't up to the task, so uh, so, well, you know, so so to to break this down, both of us made the same picks? Hello? Not sure if I lost Josh there, but it looks like we both uh, made the same picks there, so uh, so we'll see if we're right next week, and again, wanted to thank you guys, um, you know, so much for joining our first podcast. It was a blast. Uh, feel free to, and make sure to listen to more uh, for all your news on the NFL. Keep it locked on the NFL on 24-7 Sports Podcast.